Hello and thank you for downloading this special bonus episode of Power Bombs and Potables, part of the podcast Potables Network. Brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast, the Process Potables feed as well. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Process Potables, and on Twitter at PowerBombsPPN. For news, info, and breweries that we've worked with and more, check out ProcessPotables.com. So it's Friday night. Myself, Dan, and Steve sat down to discuss the Money in the Bank 2020 concept, the recent WWE releases, and the passing of the legendary Fink, Howard Finkel, on this special bonus edition of Power Bombs and Potables. Welcome into this special live edition of Power Bombs and Potables. Two sweet me hoots. Um, Corey Oates, your host, Power Bombs and Potables. Uh, with me tonight, Dan and Steve, formerly of Process Potables and everything else that's usually on the podcast Potables Network. What's up, guys? Formerly makes it sound like we left. We ain't. Yeah. In the words of uh, P. Diddy, we ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. Mm-mm. Well, we're here. <laughs> uh, we're little, here. Little Friday night flights going on. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Uh, right now, I mean, we're just going to talk beer really quick. Drinking some Core Three Grass Clippings. It's a session IPA. Five percent ABV. Just picked it up in a growler today. I'm not there yet. I'm drinking. What's this one called? I'm still drinking this. Uh, Laying rail or lion? Laying? I mean, I'm hoping Layin'? I'm laying some rail later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, we decided to come on. There's a plethora of things that happened this week in wrestling. Obviously, a lot of releases. They're still going on as of the last hour. Uh, the passing of, of the Fink. And the most recent news that just broke within the last hour. So, originally, WWE was going to hold Money in the Bank, their pay-per-view, May 10th in Baltimore. That got canceled uh last week the uh the 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 royal farms arena i believe is the one in baltimore they announced (laughs) last week that they were refunding everybody wwe then came and said hey this is still happening all right so i guess you were just going to get another empty arena ladder match well apparently that's not the case wwe made the announcement that for money in the bank WWE superstars will climb the corporate ladder at Money in the Bank. The match begins on the ground floor of WWE headquarters, but the briefcases will be hanging all the way up on the roof of the corporate tower. So on the top of the Titan Tower in Stamford, Connecticut, that's at least 10 or 12 stories. It's a pretty big building. I've driven past it on 95 up in uh, Connecticut. They're going to somehow do this. There's no way that it's going to be an actual live match. So we're going to have... Another cinematic type match. I know me and Dan watched WrestleMania together. Steve, you watched only some of part two, you were telling us. What are your thoughts 
on this. So, Steve, I think you'll be able to relate on uh, to me with this. Me and Corey, Corey was trying to ask me questions about this earlier. Obviously, a week ago, the Final Fantasy VII remake came out. Mm-hmm. And the minute that I saw this, all I could think about was the point in the game that I'm at, which is where you raid the Shinra building. And you mm. have to go up all these floors of the Shinra building to get up to the, uh, you know, the mayor of Midgar's okay. office. Yeah. And all this. And all I can think about is like, okay, well, if they're saying that this is going to start on the ground floor and go all the way up to the top, like, I feel like that's what we're about to get is like a yeah. Final Fantasy VII-esque fight your way to the top of the building brawl. At least we know, in all seriousness and joking aside, at least we know that they have experience with this now. We saw them do the Firefly Funhouse. We saw them do the Graveyard Match. Mm -hmm. And I was a fan of both of those in the Mm -hmm. end. And I hope that they can leverage that into making this a success. It's innovative, which I respect. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to give them points for creativity. This is definitely up there. They could very well fall flat on their face. And the thing about that that I think is the reason it's worth the risk for them is that this time in history, when we look back on it is always going to be pretty forgiving based upon the circumstances. So I think it's a great time to take risks and know that, yeah, right away, if it does, you know, fail pretty badly, which again, it has the potential to do so that, you know, you're going to hear about it. But then a year from now, when people are talking about, oh, remember last year? Like, they're going to be like, okay, but remember what was going on? Remember the circumstances? And you'll get a bit of a pass. So I think it's a good idea for them to go and take a chance on it right now. And I'm pretty excited. I'm a lot more excited for that than watching six people do a Money in the Bank match in an empty arena. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think once, th- I'm sure, uh, you know, Vince and everyone else in WWE had this in mind where if you were to watch the network right now and just watch old pay-per-views and matches, like, you know, you don't realize until these times, like how the, you know, the crowd's reaction and emotions, how big of a factor that is. And really the guys, the the wrestlers themselves play off of the emotion that the crowd's giving them. That's their signs to speed up, to slow down, to maybe how long to stall things. Like they really, they get that reading of the emotion from the crowd. And when there's no crowd they're they got to do it and make it all up in their head. Like, um, when I went to WrestleMania 15 with my dad, like my dad, we were talking about this the other day, recently told me, he's like, I've still never been in an arena that was as loud as that one for WrestleMania 15. One um, Another thing that always comes to mind, I forget the name of it, but when they brought ECW back and Rob Van Dam. And one Cena, Night Stand. One, well, yeah, one Night one, Stand. Yeah. yeah, but I'll never forget, like the crowd was like so hot and electric. Now, mm-hmm. 5, 10, 15 years from now, you're not going to have that, but, you know, having these, you know, cinematic shots or, you know, filming of the matches, it's going to be, you know, very good. And like Dan said, it'll be forgiven without any crowd. And it's just, this is the time to try new things. Well, so. yeah, the, the, the thing is this, and especially with wrestling, is you can be skeptical all you want. If it's great, then you will get praised up and down. If it sucks, then you will never ever hear the end of it from wrestling fans so that's the gamble that they take every single time they do something like this they at this point recently are are two and out they they had they they did great with the two that they did for wrestlemania people loved them but you got to think maybe they're eventually going to have a bad one and when they have that bad one then it's going to really make everybody kind of skeptical going forward if you know what's going to happen 
But I think the overall reaction to the first two, and while I think they were done well, was still well-received. And we've talked about it on past episodes. I know you've harped on it a lot about, Mm -hmm. you know, the credit that Matt Hardy needs to be given for this and the success that he's had in his career already with this, that this can be, you know, an evolution, Mm -hmm. pun intended, (laughs) of wrestling that, again, even if this one doesn't work out, I think we have to embrace that they're doing it. And even if it fails, like, they can learn from that and figure out what works for them going forward. Yeah, this... Like, it works within... If it, if this doesn't work, whether it be the execution of this or just the the idea of it all together, then this may prove to be, you know, a learning experience as where we talked about the first two that they, that they did at WrestleMania, both being with entities where you were able to suspend your disbelief with The Undertaker and Bray Wyatt. They're both these, like... You know, like like out there, like um, like entities. They're not mm. supposed to be viewed as regular people. So now you enter the realm of okay, well, this one, as far as, as my understanding, will be will be regular people just right. climbing up. There won't be this like metaphysical uh, like story where you have to suspend disbelief. If that doesn't work, then you know, okay, we can do this, but it has to be based around a character and the belief that it makes sense that they are in this realm or whatever it ends up being. Right. It's interesting you say that because like watching like the dark side of the ring documentaries recently, mm-hmm. especially back in the um, 70s and 80s, there was always this very big, great, you know, line of what's real and what's not with wrestling mm-hmm. back then. And these days with, you know, social media and things leaking online, y- y- you know that this is a way to maybe kind of get back to that where the, those lines are blurred and, you know, maybe you know, like a bone yarn match or whatever, it seems kind of corny. But like for me, as someone who hasn't really watched in the past several years and grew up watching that kind of wrestling, like, like, all right, this finally they're doing something and, different. This and that's is great. a great point because like to the point of the Firefly Funhouse match with Bray and Cena, like even if you would have told me before we watched it, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Bray wins. Like who cares? This isn't a match where they're fighting and I care about the outcome. Like I care about the story you're taking me on. I care about how you get there. I care about all the cool and creative things you come up with. So even if things get spoiled, you're right. This is a way to get around that because you're not watching these kind of things necessarily for the outcome. You're watching them for the experience, which is what wrestling used to be. Yeah. Right. And and that's the the nice thing about these if there's one positive that's come out of all this, the the quarantine wrestling, these empty arena shows, is nothing gets out there. So if you actually are curious to the way, the direction that they're going to take things, especially with WrestleMania, WrestleMania every year, uh, traditionally, there's always Vegas odds and things like that. And somehow, usually the afternoon, most of the, the outcomes usually get out there somehow. This year, going into it, you had your expectations like, okay, I'm sure that, you know, Brock's going to lose to McIntyre. Uh, but a lot of the other things you really kind of weren't sure about. I mean, we had talked about the whole Edge-Orton thing. We thought that at this point, we're like, ah, well, Orton will win, and then we'll we'll continue this on. And that's not what happened. So, well, yeah, we thought they might just kind of can it, get it out of the way quick and save it. And they went like 38 minutes and threw the, threw the whole book at us. Right. So that's at least the, the positive. The one thing that I'm – as, as we, you guys were talking about that, and you were discussing the Final Fantasy aspect of things. One thing that I will say is that that, that game first came out. When did Final Fantasy VII originally come like out? 99. yeah. And so many of that's, – uh, that's 22 years ago. You take so many of the people that are on this roster and even on the writing staff. And you go back 22 years, like a lot of the creative minds probably came from that. And with this coming out, it's probably something that yeah. really – 
Shuck them. Now, well, how many of the creative minds that are left? Because we have to talk about that too. <laughs> that's no, that's that's a good point. That is a very good point. We we will get there. The one thing that I did want to address too, while we were talking about the whole cinematic aspect of things, and and the one thing that our people uh, always forget is Matt Hardy came up with the concept of doing these cinematic matches, but the person who was there directing with him and was really kind of guiding the ship is a guy named Jeremy Borash. And Jeremy Borash came into wrestling in around 99, 2000. He was with WCW, didn't really do much there. And then he was literally with TNA from day one until probably about 2017. He was company guy, did that whole thing. Right around when Matt Hardy came over, he came over. Now Matt Hardy's gone and he's still there. So he's going to be most likely the one that's shooting these, you know, this. I mean, because the way that I saw this poster, there's going to be two, which that's going to be kind of weird. Unless maybe they do it where they shoot them at the same time, like the women's and the men's, and they're both happening. I mean, oh, that that feels like it would make the most sense to me. You can't do two. I kind of, I kind of, that, that's But you also concept. can't have a glass ceiling, so you have to do it. Oh, God. All the windows, that, like, that whole building is glass from the outside. Like, there's not even, like, no, but that's what they'll do is they'll have that glass ceiling, and then a woman's going to win and smash through it. Progressive. Smart. But, I love that idea. I didn't know there were going to be two. I don't like the idea of two. Well, usually they have a women's and a no, men's. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm saying for this. I yeah. know they normally have, and that's fine. So now that I'm just thinking about it, and I saw the poster, uh, like that I'm, would be great. I'm assuming, yeah, you could do that. But this is this will be the ultimate like movie out of all of them, I think, because of the fact that you like take twelve rounds wasn't the ultimate movie. <laughs> the Marine wasn't the ultimate movie. The Condemned, duh. Uh, I I just get this picture in my head. What's the one where he Triple H is a school bus? driver or oh, a teacher God. i kept wanting to say the disciplinarian that's the drew carey show yeah that's a drew carey the chaperone show, yeah. oh the god chaperone, the chaperone yeah. uh do a quick sidebar i put on netflix the other day and the big show the has big a show, show big show show is that like real well, like well you saw it on Netflix. how real how real is any of this steve we it, could go down I mean, that and we don't want we don't want to do that let Corey get back to i just it. Oh, no. don't watch it um but uh, like i'm saying i picture in my head uh, a lot of almost like action movie scenes where you know th- the, you have like lights, like that's kind of like like a dark uh, hallway, and like maybe like some red light, and like somebody's like trying to like sneak out to make sure they usually will have a gun. I'm sure nobody's gonna have a gun in WWE, but like you never know. Brian Pillman had a gun. Oh, Jesus I mean, Christ! Yeah, but that's that was attitude, son. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like they can get very creative with this over the other things, like the the boneyard match. Your you're you're in a graveyard. You do whatever you can there. Firefly Funhouse was a very innovative thing. This is there's there's so many things in that building. There's the there's the whole gym. There's there's rings in the, the gym. There's obviously offices. There's Vince's office. Probably a cafeteria. There's, there's a studio. There, there's so many different things. And and the cool thing too is I'm sure they're go being that they're moving out of this office, they're going to shoot a lot of things. In things that nobody's ever seen in there. So it'll kind of be like, here's your tour of this place before we get rid of it after being here for 30 years. Uh, so that'll be cool. But ultimately, this is just a very innovative concept. And I give them credit for being with the time and just trying something. Uh, it's just weird to me, I guess, that you had 
and I think this is going to be everybody's argument, that you had Matt Hardy for all these years and he was just fighting so hard to do these cinematic matches because that was really what brought him back. That's what caught their eye was that he was doing these matches. They were getting a lot of views uh, on YouTube. They had more... There was more YouTube plays than anybody that watched the stuff live. That's where it was getting the traction from. And they brought him back because of the interest he was doing there. And then they didn't use him for what they brought him back for because Vince just saw him as 1998 Hardy Boys. Mm. And that just wasn't what it is. Like People have to change. People have to evolve. And that's what he did. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say to that is, I guess, you just have to look at the scale that WWE is versus the other stuff. And so, yeah, compared to what TV numbers, you know, the, the other things were doing, yeah, his YouTube and his videos probably seemed like a, like a really good success. But you bring that to WWE, and one, like, is it going to compare the same to the numbers they put up? Probably not. And two, you know, were any of these things going to be, did they have any ideas or were they going to be used in a way where they moved storylines they wanted to do or they got guys over they wanted to get over and maybe that just didn't work out? Like, it's easy to blame them and odds are that there's probably some, if not a majority of the fault on WWE for, you know, the misuse of all of that. But at the same time, you know, maybe it just works better on, you know, the scale that he was doing it at as far as as his things are concerned. And while they didn't do them for him and we can give them crap for that, they are at least doing it now. The circumstances may have forced their hand, but they could still just sit in a room and say, all right, well, fine, empty arena, everything, go for it. But, you know, better late than never. So try and give them some credit for for things like that. Um, So I guess we'll move on from that. And we'll move to the the more well. I don't know which is more sad. One one's kind of just you feel bad for people, and this one's actually sad. So we'll go with this. Um, the yes yesterday or was it? Yes, it was yesterday. Uh, they announced the passing of legendary uh, wrestling announcer Howard Finkel, who was only sixty nine years nice. old. Yeah, uh, when he passed, but he started ring announcing back in 1975. Uh, He worked for Vince's dad, uh, Vince Sr. for the WWF. And then when Vince bought the company from his dad, he was the very first person that Vince brought over and signed. So he was employee number one to Vince. Vince signed him. He was the very first WWF employee. And up till his last day, Vince was still paying him. So he was still um, taken care of because he was the company guy is what they they looked at that as. Uh, So obviously we've all grew up big Attitude Era guys. And and, and the thing with the the Fink was, and a lot of people brought this up, prior to him and his style of being very energetic with his ring announcing, before that nobody was like that. Nothing in boxing. And, And you look at... Boxing in the 60s, 70s, 80s with uh, the Muhammad Ali's, the Joe Frazier's and all that stuff. The announcing, the, the, the fights were huge, but you didn't have the announcer to really do anything. The Fink was the first person that did that. And now you look at um, uh, Michael Buffer, who made an, a, a living, and Bruce Buffer, and so many other people that... Yeah, they all came after the Fink. Yes. Yeah. So he was such an influence on so many people. And it's just, it's, it's just another one that that passed, but like his, his story is kind of like sad. Basically, I don't know if you guys know this. He had like a rare, uh, disorder where like his, 
brain was shrinking. Oh, shit. That was what was... So he'd been in a home uh, for for a while, and they, they didn't really tell people where he was, and he's been there for quite a few years. And But because of this disorder that he had going on, you know, it was calling, causing him to fall a lot, and he would have random spurts, they were saying, where he would kind of be like... Tommy Dreamer was talking about on uh, Busted Open today, and he said that he last time he saw him, he walked in to see him, and he was like just staring in the distance. And when Tommy said something, he's like, I know you. And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm Tommy it's Tommy and he goes and he's he's like I started saying about myself in the Fink voice like from Yonkers New York and he's like he just snapped back into it and then did the whole thing as if he was the ring announcer and he was fine for the rest of the thing he said that's how it was a lot of the times he saw him near the end was he would kind of be shaky but the second you got him thinking wrestling he was fine and didn't miss a beat what are some of your favorite more memorable things of the think I, I mean obviously if you think an attitude error i think big stone cold title wins yeah absolutely you know his big thing was you know before the hashtag was n new his big delivery was n new that you know before other people you know honestly i don't know if there's one thing that jumps out at me but he and they kind of uh, came to mind when I, I read some tweets and some Instagram videos. Like one thing that a lot of wrestlers and guys said, he's like, you know, when you're backyard wrestling or you're playing a game and you're announcing it, like just being a little kid, like you you're always doing the Fink's voice. Like that that just resonates with you. And and maybe at that age, looking back, you probably don't really realize it or appreciate it as much. But he he like goes from day one from being a wrestling like he was he's he's the first voice that just sits with you. Yeah, I feel like he's not grouped in with like JR and the King the way that he should be because that's that's the same thing as I don't have like oh this match I remember this. I mean, you know, like not to discredit him. He's like the ring announcer. Like, you know, how like what what am I really going to give you here? But the way that I think a lot of us grew up on, and I, I know specifically with us, was like, you know, sitting in the backyard pretending to do moves. And exa- it's the same thing with people talking about you go to basketball court and you yell Kobe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> when we're doing wrestling stuff, we're saying, by God, by, by JR. And, you know, you're doing like Fink voices when you're having people come in. Like, I, I still have the toy wrestlers back here. But I was, when I used to play with them, yeah. you know, you do his voice when they come down to the ring. And when you're playing, you know, like the early video games, like the ones that actually had voices, like those were the guys that were on it. Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, that's not the case anymore, but, you know, that's what you remember. And then, you know, to Corey's point, like the attitude area, like, like anytime I go back and watch it, like he's the guy I'm hearing. So the, the things that I like to go back and rewatch the most, your, you know, pay-per-views from 98, 99, you know, 97 to like 2000, I, I guess probably is, is where I watch the most of my stuff on the network when I do. Like that's the guy, it's, it's him and then it's JR and then it's the king and, and occasionally like Michael Cole. But Yeah, but what I say since his passing prior, my favorite video was uh, when CM uh, Punk brought mm-hmm. him out to be his personal ring announcer when he was about to fight at Alberto Del Rio. Like, that was awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Which is that weird. Like, randomly, a couple weeks ago, I just remembered in thinking that that was such a cool moment. And I, I couldn't remember which Survivor Series it was. So I had to, like, toggle between two. Uh, I think it was 2011. And it was from Madison Square Garden, of all places. And he, because Del Rio had 
the uh, Ricardo Rodriguez oh, yeah. Yeah. as his personal announcer, so he had his own. So it was a really cool moment. That was one of the last times because several the, the last times you really saw him was he would come out every year for WrestleMania and he would make the announcement. Uh, of the Hall of Fame class at WrestleMania. And then even that stopped. I think that was probably around 31 or 32. And at that point, he had been on every single WrestleMania up to that point. In some form or fashion, they made sure to get him on. So at least the first 30 WrestleManias, I believe he was on, um, which is still crazy to me to think. But like I said, Vince always took care of him. And apparently, if like I said, he he was paid for like he was taken care of because that's how apparently, you know, Vince always takes care of the, the company people. And, um, Mark Henry was like, he goes, you know, come 20, 30 years, Stephanie and triple H and Shane will take care of the guys from this generation. And then, you know, 40, 50 years, their kids, like that's just the, the, what Vince has them doing for as much as you might, dislike the things that they've been doing with having to release people in the end of the day that's a business we're going to talk about that in a couple minutes yeah in the end of the day is it's still a, a business but he he's he personally will take care of people that have been loyal to him well some of them and that's what we're going to get to now is, <laughs> you know you give him credit for for doing it for some people sure but we're about to talk about you know at least a handful of people that Sure, have been pretty damn loyal and and aren't getting that same kind of treatment, which is unfortunate. But it is a business. You, you give that, you you give them some benefit out for that. But I'm sure there's a couple people we're going to talk about that. Right. Y- you can be a little bit upset about and be okay. There's plenty of people you don't need to be upset about. But I have right. one in particular. Zack Ryder. Woo yeah. woo woo. So you know it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, just to, to to wrap up the thing thing, it's. It was one of those things that I knew he was sick for a couple of years because you kind of heard rumblings. But then when I saw he was like 69, like still pretty young, it was just, damn, another one. Like, I'm 30 years old. Damn! But we're all, we're all so young. But these people that we've grown up with, I mean, since, since I've been a kid, like consciously, there's at least 30 or 40 easily that were people that – I knew from the 80s and 90s that like I grew up watching that are already dead now. I mean, I feel like I've said this before in the context of, of things like this, and the older we get, the more I'm going to say it. Growing up means watching my heroes turn human in front of me. Yeah. These conversations are only going to happen more. It is a very sad part of life, but as far as Fink, like, dude's never going to be forgotten. Oh, no. Absolutely um, You know, an amazing legacy and an amazing career. And, you know, he's immortalized in so many, you know, I, like at this point, you look at how long he was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has his stamp on more than 50% of all the greatest things this company's done. And, you know, probably closer to like 75% of all the greatest things this company's ever done. And most of the dark periods of this company have come when he's not there anyway. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's always going to have its highs and lows, but most of the highs that this company has and will experience came with him there. So he's going to be immortalized in, in so many ways for yeah. a very long time. And even, 
you know, people that didn't grow up with him. You know, WWE is a very revisionist kind of thing. If you get into it now, you then go back and watch and pay your respects and learn where it came from. So, like, people are going to continue to still learn about him after the fact. And I'm sure there's going to be, you know, plenty of tributes and everything that still come out that will that will pay homage to that as well. And it's um, just the last two things to really just drive that home of how much of a company guy and, and much he he loved uh, wrestling was um, end of the day there was uh, Tommy Dreamer posted a picture with him in this home the other day and a fan pointed out to him because he posted he didn't even notice it but behind him there was a cork board with a handwritten note that was stuck on it and it says please put channel 43 on at 8 p.m. on Monday nights wrestling is on because he couldn't control a, a remote anymore so he had to have somebody come and do that for him and but he was still that much into it and the other story was tommy dreamer was telling how he gave fink a house of hardcore shirt and he asked him like where's the shirt and he's like oh oh i have it but he wouldn't put it on because he was afraid that because it was another wrestling company that vince would be upset with him yeah. still that's how much he that's loyalty. loved. Yes, yeah. and that's that's like it sucks. Yeah, but like it's also loyalty. It's mm-hmm. you know you 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 admire it. I wanted to make a joke there, but I'm not going to do it. Remind <laughs> me later. Okay. All right. So I guess we'll move on to just the depressing, f- fucked up shit from this week. Uh, yeah. Now that now that I've gotten the the now that yeah. I become emotional, I'm ready to get angry. There's yeah. Just, there's stages and of an already emotional and angry time. Yeah. So. Um, there was there was rumors that this was now we'll take it back a little bit really quick so all elite wrestling became a thing january 2019 at which point wwe started signing everybody off of the street if there was somebody that was already sitting home they were offering them more money to continue staying at home just so that they couldn't go somewhere else. They were completely, uh, you know, hogging up the market, which for the nice thing for the wrestlers was it was driving up their price. They were making a lot more money. Uh, it hurt the indies a little bit because they didn't have as much to go around, but the wrestlers were, were doing good. So, um, God, take ev- care of the boys. Eventually, you know, something has to happen for this boom to go down. So, obviously, like right now, WWE is putting out content live still on tv each week and they're getting some money from these contracts they have to put out new content each week but they're not bringing in money there's no live events wrestlemania took a hurting and a lot of the events that come around that that they make money off of just didn't happen and you know like merch sales are primarily at live events and then like people have to be invested for sure and so This week, they had to release a lot of talent. Now, going on, I, I, I do not follow a lot of politics and things that are going on. I know that there's a lot of things with small businesses where they're allowing uh, companies to like furlough a lot of their employees. Uh, a perfect example, like uh, my girlfriend's dad works for Hyundai, and they were told because they're, all, they're under Hyundai, but they're franchised. If they furlough X amount of employees, which basically says you're going to let them go so they can collect unemployment, but once things get better, you're going to hire them back. That's the intent that you have. 
you know, you can then apply for some form of reimbursement through the government for that. Now, on Wednesday, WWE went through a major cleaning of house. They got rid of, uh, released several wrestlers, several producers, uh, a referee, some announcers, and stuff like that. Out of all of those, the only ones that really came up with the word furlough were a lot of the producers. So I just want to put that out there now that a lot of them, for what it's worth, their job is to sit there and you know direct the matches and do all those things. But most of them have been sitting home anyway. So it made sense for them to just be like, hey, we're going to let you go, collect your money, keep sitting at home. When we get things going and we go on the road, we're going to need you back. So sit tight. Right, because right now there's no house shows. I right. don't I like I don't watch until I, I, are they doing like main event and stuff like that even probably not that, I, that's like I never stuff I never even yeah. watch that stuff to right. even know if they so still like, do that's it. a lot of time where you get down in the depths of your you know of who you need to do right. this stuff. but I've learned a lot of the process of how these the agent stuff works with 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 WWE is no matter what you go to every single house show when the house show's done you then drive to the next town and eventually one day of that week you get a script sent to you for the Raw or SmackDown, whatever, for the next week. You need to read through the entire script, write an entire synopsis on the things, and get it back before you go to bed because you need to be up like four hours later to then do the next thing or be at the next thing. So a a lot of these guys putting in ridiculous hours. So I'm sure they're going to like the time off, but... Um, we'll start with the, the producers being that we're kind of heavy into them. Uh, Kurt Angle, who came back to WWE a couple years ago, uh, had his final year run. The The highlight of that whole run, I would say, was the WrestleMania match with Ronda, Ronda's debut against Triple H and Stephanie. Uh, WrestleMania last year, 35, in the Meadowlands, was his final match, and he's been really not seen since, but he's been a, a backstage agent since then. Uh, Lance Storm, who... Since retiring from wrestling, about for he pretty much full time retired in like 2003, 2004, opened a wrestling school and he closed his wrestling school four months ago to become a producer with WWE. Oh, that sucks, dude. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that one's crazy. Uh, Shane Helms, who I heard today on Busted Open Radio, he's in really good spirits. He's He's one of the people that guaranteed said he was furloughed. Uh, So he's just waiting it out. He's not worried, he said. Uh, Sarah Stock. I don't know who that is. I'm assuming she works with the women. Obviously, she's not somebody that's come from as much wrestling stuff that I know uh, to know who she is. Scott Armstrong, uh, one of the Armstrongs. The Armstrongs, uh, the one that you guys will know is Road Dogg. Right. Oh, yeah. so the the whole family, uh, their dad was Bullet Bob. He was a legendary wrestler in the sixties and seventies, uh, and then there was a whole bunch of brothers: Brad Armstrong, uh, Scott, who's I believe the youngest, uh, and then Brian, who is Road Dog. He he was a referee at one point, and he's just been agents uh, agenting ever since. Uh, Billy Kidman. Now, Billy Kidman, if you remember Billy Kidman, he was oh, yeah. yeah he. In recent years, he's he's the one who times out the matches. Well, not even the matches, the shows. So he's sitting there on Monday Night Raw backstage, and it's like, 
ah, shit, friggin' Vince and, you know, Triple H and Stephanie ran over the opening segment that was supposed to go 15 minutes, and they went 21 minutes. So now he's got to sit there and calculate how he's going to cut from different segments so that the show times out by the end of the thing. It's probably, from what a lot of people say, is one of the most stressful jobs that you can have. And he's been doing that, and they let him go. So now who the hell is going to do his job? You'd think that that would be kind of a, you know, a safe... Yeah, you need that. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that'll be... I mean, Triple H times out NXT and does it, so I guess maybe they're just going to have Triple H do it because they didn't let him go. Got to take care of the guys. Fit Finley was one of the surprising ones, too, because Fit Finley, since retiring, pretty much is the agent for all the women. He has been for years, and he's the one who puts all those women matches together that you see on the main roster. So to me, that's that's a big shock that they let him go because – I mean, he doesn't do the, the NXT has a bigger women's roster than Raw and SmackDown. I feel, but it's more uh, mainstream, big time. Once they get up to the main rosters, they're the ones that are having WrestleMania main events and, and marquee right. matches. So, him helping them out big time is really a key factor to those matches. So we'll see where they go going forward. Who's going to start directing them? Uh, a couple others, Pat Buck. Um, I know that he has some significance, to be honest with you. I think he was more of an indie guy. I, I've never really known much about him. Obviously, there's so many names that you can't know everybody. Uh, Sean Davari, who was Davari right. with Muhammad Hassan years ago. He's done a lot. He's done way more agenting over the years, whether it was TNA uh, and WWE than he has done wrestling. And then shows up at like Super Showdown. Yeah, well, <laughs> the great Kali needed somebody to right. manage him that night. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, Mike Rotunda, so formerly IRS, who IRS got released on, on tax, tax day. day. Yep, can't and, make it up. And his two sons yeah. are still employed. Did you just laugh at it? I think so. They just sounded funny. His two sons are Bray Wyatt and uh, Bo Dallas, still employed. So good, good for them, I guess. Uh, Serena Deeb, who was uh, a trainer for all the women, and she was with NXT for years as the agent for the, the girls there, and then they moved her up recently. She, you would probably uh, know her from the Straight Edge Society. She was the chick who got her head shaved. Those was the oh, Straight Edge Society. Oh, really? shit. Okay. Wow. Wow. Um, Ace Steel. Uh, and, Sounds like a porn name. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? And then Kendo Cashin. I have no clue who either of those two guys are, to be honest well, with you. Well, I know who Ace Steel is now. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> That's then an industry right, name. Right under that, this was crazy to me. Referee Mike Kyoto. Yeah, I know maybe yeah. three or four referees ever. Because they don't let him have a personality anymore. Everybody is just, oh, the referee. Kyoto was like there. the SmackDown ref, wasn't he? Uh. Sounds right. It, yeah. Years ago, maybe. I feel like that was like the thing when SmackDown first started. I feel like he was like the ref for that. Yeah. I, I mean. And he was wh- actually like involved. Like you knew who he was. Mm-hmm. Like when, he would get when, guys' faces and stuff. Well, I mean, when they first did that brand split 2002-2003, Earl Hebner was still there. So Hebner did uh, Rawls. Raw. And yeah. Did, yeah. Exactly. I, I forgot all about that. I, I block a lot of that stuff out. But it, to me, that was just crazy. He's... He was the senior referee. Now, Earl Hebner, rumor, you know, he was fired years ago because him and his brother were selling WWE licensed merchandise that was like off the truck type stuff, and they <laughs> caught him. He, apparently, Earl Hebner denies this, but that's why him and his brother got fired yeah. at this point. That was like 2007. That's how long ago that was. Um, and 
he he's done like two AEW shows and I haven't seen him since probably because he's like 70 and you know you can't really drop to your knees and count three at <laughs> yeah, 70 as quick as you harsh. could uh, but that that was just crazy to me that that they let him go because he's still you know he's still fine <laughs> he's not that old he's he joined you know in the at this point in the early unfortunately 90s. this is just across all businesses mm-hmm. when you you know cut cut salary and things like that sometimes you have to let go to longer tenured guys the guys who are going to make double right. triple and 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 i was going to get to this at, yeah. at the end of it but i'll say it even here is and the one thing that everybody loves talking about is you take away all of the people that they have released and it saves them about four million dollars they said which is not anywhere close to what brock lesnar makes that is how much mm. they paid goldberg to do this run Oh my god! Amazing. He got paid four million dollars to go to Saudi, and then do WrestleMania. Which, if you listen to the podcast last week, what ended up happening was I don't know if, if you got to check it out, but I'll, I'll, I'll go into it again. Is they shot this match with uh, Braun Strowman because Roman Reigns didn't want to do the match. He didn't feel comfortable. But then he went home, and then was just he was done. He did his commitments. They called him back and wanted to fly him back in to shoot the match with Roman Reigns. They were still going to do it, which is the reason why they waited so long to pull it out. And he was basically just like, no. They didn't want to pay him any more money. And he had already dropped it. And he had said that, oh, I went home and just was like, he, he crapped out on his diet at that point because he didn't have anything to right. worry about. And he's like, yeah, I'm not coming back. He didn't back. even come in, in in shape like the last time he did it either. Which so. is the reason yeah. why they had to just go with the match that they had filmed. Amazing. What are you going to wow. do? So the main roster people, and there's even more than this list that I have. As of an hour and a half ago, there was five more NXT releases. Uh, not of anybody really that gets TV time, uh, but they're still at the point where they're, they're, they're making cost-cutting. Now, an interesting thing about the NXT people was the NXT people are still going to be paid for 30 days, and then they're pretty much told they can do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> so they don't have non-competes or anything. Right. Because they're not. Interesting. Um, the Revival who got released last week apparently have no 90 they, – they don't have the 90-day no-compete clause, which I, was crazy to me. But all these people do. So – which means when they get the 90-day no-compete means they're still going to get paid for 90 days, which is why they can't go anywhere. So um, we'll start at the top. Drake Maverick. Have you seen the video yes. that he put out? My God. If if you weren't a fan of this guy before, even if you didn't see any of his matches, like you just got a feel for this guy. Now, what is the thing? Because he said he still has like three matches. He's in like I guess a tournament. He's or something? in the NXT Cruiserweight Title Tournament that they were. So uh, was it already taped? No, because NXT is still live. So the first match is next week, next Wednesday night live. Okay. And but they're obviously going to take care of him and let him still compete in it. And well, the thing, well, the reason I ask is because as a guy who do, who doesn't watch NXT every week, is he said I think he said in the video like you know these last three matches. So like, well, because it's not um, like I was explaining to you guys before we we went live, is this is a lot like the the New Japan G One tournament how they're doing the style of this tournament. It's not single elimination. Oh, okay. There's groups, so it's going to be different matches each week. And I was just curious if that was a little like giveaway that like yeah. he gets. I so think far. I think he said that in the assumption that he's going to just lose three matches and be at the bottom of the group, and right. then that's okay. going to be it. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, if there's one thing over the years with NXT before they started hoarding all the talent is they would bring in well-known indie talent and they would just pay him to do one-offs. Yeah. Um, Leva Bates, who's like that one of the head of the women's division, AEW, she used to come to uh, NXT all the time as blue pants. That's, that's who I was. And everybody loved blue pants. And then, but she didn't want to sign with them. Like she even had takeover matches where the crowd was more into her than who she was wrestling. Mm -hmm. And she still just wouldn't sign. She's with AEW now. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. I was, that was the first thing I was going to bring up. Wait, who is she as an AEW? She is one of the librarians. Nice. Like, okay. Yeah. But she's, she's, she's like Brandy Rhodes is like behind the scenes, like second, like she's like her number two. She's like, She's right there with her, uh, but but Drake Maverick, he's out of all these people, he's the only buddy, that, the only person that's still at least going to have some uh, on you know, air, right on air spots going forward for another, at least another couple of weeks because it's not going to be just a one off thing. Obviously, he lives in Orlando, so my my first thing when I saw them doing these releases, I said, ah, I guess they're just going to release anybody who's not within a. That's not a main event person, somebody that's not within distance of getting to Orlando. That's what I thought was weird about some of these names. Some of these people are there and available. Right. Exactly. That's kind Which of... seems risky to get rid of right yeah, now. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So as, as we keep going on, you look at a guy like Kurt Hawkins, uh, real name Brian Myers, has been wrestling for several years. This was his second stint with the company. Uh, when he left the first time, now he owns his own wrestling school in New York, Creative Pro, and a lot of wrestlers that are on the scene now are from his school. A lot of AEW people, MJF, came from him in wow. Creative Pro. Uh, uh, what is her name? Uh, Chris Statlander, who's with AEW, she came from him. So he's constantly still developing people. And at that one point when he was fired before, he was doing great on the indies, so I'm sure he's going to go right back to that. But he lives in Staten. Uh, he lives in Long Island, so he wasn't going anywhere. So that would make sense for them to right. let him go. Yeah, uh, they haven't really done much with him and and Ryder late, lately. But you know, he's in Long Island. That makes sense. Let him go. He's not making the trip. Carl Anderson, someone who three years ago when they brought him in from New Japan was part of one of the hottest groups. He was one of the original Bullet Club members. Yep. And they brought in AJ Styles that January, that April, WrestleMania weekend. They brought in him and Gallo. So they had, uh, they already had Finn Balor. So now at this point, you have Finn Balor and AJ Styles, the two, the first two leaders of the Bullet Club. And then you had Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, who were the other two guys that were there with both of them. You had everybody under contract and you're like, okay, maybe they're going to do something. All they did was pretty much flip flop who, who they were with. They never really got the run that they should have. No. Carl Anderson was such a huge deal in Japan too, as a single, he was still with the tag team, but in Japan, they let him do singles and tags at the same time. And they have just as much relevance. He won the G one tournament one year. So, I mean, he's, I think he's going he's going back to Japan no matter what. For him, he lives in Cincinnati. He's got four kids. So this was good for him having to not be in Japan for six months at a time. But I'd rather live in Japan than Cincinnati. Same, well, same. he's got a hot I mean, Asian wife, so you know that he had to get her from somewhere. Um uh, then Luke Gallows, they let go of Gallows, and Gallows lives in South Carolina. And the crazy thing about this too, and that everybody couldn't get their mind around is not only do they pay so much money for these guys, and they they kept AJ Styles. But 
these guys are just a big part of one of the main events of WrestleMania a week ago. And, and they're not even the ones that got buried. No. Fascinating. <laughs> um, now, here's a guy who I'm kind of happy that they let go. EC3, who was a guy who they had in NXT seven years ago, and they didn't know what to do with him, so they let him go. He goes to TNA, becomes a main eventer, becomes world champion, household name, reinvents himself, and then WWE wants him back. Brings him into NXT. Just when they started getting going with him, they pull him to the main roster, and then he's just gone. Yeah, this n- this never made sense. It never made sense for him to go to NXT, in my opinion. I mean, <laughs> he'd have been better off if he had stayed with NXT for longer. Well, sure, but I'm like, if you just brought him to the main roster right away, it would have been fine too. I think he was, he was like you said, household name is like a guy at that time when I was barely watching wrestling was aware of and knew who he was and you bring him in right away and I would have been like oh okay like this is new this is a guy from mm-hmm. from from TNA and I actually know this cuz he was the fucking heavyweight champion or whatever yeah. and then I I don't even think I knew he got called to the main roster <laughs> basically what had happened was is after like he came in probably like fall that year and then by the next WrestleMania, like a week or two after after that, they did a. That's when they did the draft again. That was the initial draft, and then they started advertising for him, Lars Sullivan, and one or two other people were coming up to the main rosters, and they just kept playing these vignettes on both shows. You didn't know where they were going to go, and then eventually it was just he was there, and then he won a match, and then I remember the next week it was he he wrestled the same person whoever it was that he beat. And he lost, and then I don't think he ever won a match again. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, reading the uh, the tea leaves on Twitter, he was the one name that people, uh, a lot of people, seem really mad about. Uh, you know, them letting go, but it just seems like it, they're mad because they just never u- well, utilize. Well, yeah, I don't him think correctly. anyone's upset that he's leaving because he'll probably catch on somewhere. I think they're upset that they ever signed him in the first place. Yeah, and then this is how it ends. I mean, I I couldn't agree with that more because the. the He's young still, and I think out of any place, he's going to go back to TNA or Impact Wrestling because Impact Wrestling's doing good stuff. They have an actual deal. They're owned by a solid company. The funny thing about them is they're still making more money with their distribution over in other countries. Impact has been bigger than WWE in the UK for like 10 years. Really? Yes. Because wow. they're on they're on a more mainstream network in the UK. WWE was with Sky Sports for years, and that was like a thirty some year relationship that just ended last year. I don't even know what network WWE's on over there. The WWE network, dummy. But that's <laughs> but even in like the nineties when WWE had like really down periods, they would always go over to, to Europe and they would actually instead of working high school gyms shooting Monday Night Raw. Like you can watch some of those 95, 96 yeah. Raws, and they're in small, you know, civic centers and stuff like that, and even high school gyms. There's some Raws where there's basketball nets in the background of it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but they would, but then us. they would go over and they'd be able to do the ten, fifteen thousand seat arenas and sell them out easily in the UK. TNA for the the last several years that the Carter family owned it. Every January they would always go over to the UK and they would run the Wembley Arena 
for like a week straight and do like three months of TV, oh, wow. and it would be sold out every night. They sold out the Wembley Arena? The Wembley Arena, or- yes. Not the stadium, the okay. arena. Um, uh, but still, that's like a five ten thousand 10,000-seat arena. But for them, coming from the f- soundstage that was the Impact Zone, that was a big deal to them. But either way, we're kind of ranting here. But Impact is doing good stuff. Uh, Don Callis, Scott Demore really uh, got that ship steering well. And their main people right now are a lot of big indie names. Uh, Eddie Edwards, Michael Elgin, Sammy Callahan. The draw baby. And they've even really gone – they've gone all in on women. Tessa Blanchard, who's 23 years old, is their world champion. They have a, a, a chick as their world champion, and they're, they're going with it. So uh, I think he'll go back there because that's the, the place that built him. And they're a lot more pushing the envelope, and I feel that's a lot more his style. And he can go back there and add something to that product. I feel he'll, he'll do well there. Um, next on this list, uh, Eric Young, another impact guy that they brought him into WWE. He was a sanity. You, you remember the sanity yeah. stuff. That's where Nikki cross came yep. from. Nikki cross. They, they disbanded sanity and they kept Nikki cross with the sanity gimmick for like, until they put her pretty much with Alexa bliss. Mm-hmm. And then they, they kind of made her more of a, of a girly girl finally, but kind of, kind of, um, they they got her out of the 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 khaki looking pants and into like tight pleather pants, but that's pretty much all they changed about her. Um, and her hair's not stringy now. But Eric Young is a great hand in the ring, but they just they never pulled the trigger on him. I they I felt when they brought him into NXT, they put him with Sanity to try and give the other people a rub. And all that ended up happening was is you put one in NXT UK and the other one is now back in NXT as a singles guy. They kind of disbanded him. He kind of the only time you saw him was chasing after the twenty four seven title. So he's got another couple years left in him anyway. Just let him go somewhere. He can add to anywhere that he goes. Another former world champion, actually. Uh, another young guy, Leo Rush, who's a huge indie. People love Leo Rush. He on was managing uh, Bobby Lashley, right? For a little bit, and then he kind of went away, and they brought him back, and he was the, the cruiserweight champion. They flipped him babyface to do that, and he was doing well, and then this happened. I, For what it's worth, I kind of think that they let him go more for the fact that he's caused more problems than anything. And at this point, when they're just looking to get rid of people, they can spare him to go. And he's young enough that he'll go and he's going to, he'll be able to work PWGs again and all this other stuff. And he'll be back. They'll bring him back, you know, in a couple years. If not, some of these guys are going to probably, when things get going, they're going to call them right back because they're going to need people for tours and, and stuff like that. But right now it doesn't, it's not worth it for them to pay and to sit home. I mean, yeah. thankfully, we're all in the position with ourselves, with the jobs that we have. Like most of the stuff, we can sit home and, and still do our job and, and get paid to do it. Not everybody even has that luxury. These guys, their job is to go on the road. And in these times, some of these states, you can't even leave. Yeah. So they have no other choice but to sit there. So they've been getting paid to sit home for a couple months now at this point, a couple weeks. And eventually, that's got to run out. Can't blame anybody there. Um now, the next one, Heath Slater. Heath Slater has been... One man band, baby. <laughs> Heath Slater is um, a guy who's been there since like 2000 and 
2007, 2006, something like that. He was in a Nexus, right? He started in Deep yeah. South Wrestling, which was one of their developmentals before they moved to Florida. And then he was with Florida Championship Wrestling, which then became NXT. And then he was in NXT. Uh, and then he was part of the original Nexus angle. And he's done nothing pretty Barrett. But he's done nothing but jobs. But the thing is, is he, he's entertaining. And Absolutely. he's he didn't have a job for all those years because he was bad at his job. You know, it's just in in wrestling, especially with WWE, is it's always clear of who's your main talent, who are we pushing, and who's always going to be the underneath talent, which is why, you know, the only thing that they ever really, besides the, the Nexus thing that they did relevant, was when they did that uh, brand split years ago, and they put him with Ryan. It, he was a free agent. So he was going from show to show. Then they put him with uh Rhino. And if they won the tag titles, then he would get a, a contract. So it was the big build to that. Right. And that was the most over he was. And, but it was once they won the tag titles. Now what? Because it was the chase. He got it. And then it was just downhill again from there for him. But there's hope. Cause he's the last member of three MB and the other two members were released and both came back and won the world title. So it's only it's only fitting that he goes away, gets really jacked up like McIntyre yeah. and Jinder Mahal, and comes back and and wins. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's destiny. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. But for now, he's a jobless jobber. Right. Yeah. yeah jobless jobber. <laughs> uh, the next one's kind of interesting. Sarah Logan, who just wrestled on Raw this Monday night. Now, for what it's worth, I'm not a fan of her. She's never done anything. Never had any wonderful matches, but. One, she lives in Orlando. Is she the Viking chick? Yeah. Two, she's married to somebody on the roster. So she's married to uh, uh, Ro. Well, he's not. Oh, I think he Ro. He's uh, I, Ivar or Eric. I think he's Eric of the the Viking Raiders. It was easier with with Roe and Hanson when they were War Machine, uh, but of course WWE has to change everything. But she's still married to somebody who's just made their debut again this week on Raw. So they let her go. Uh, so that's just almost as interesting as them letting go of Rusev, who for months they've been talking about his contract being up. So his contract uh, was coming up and coming up, and so was, was Lana's. But Lana resigned months ago, and he never resigned. They couldn't come to terms. And then they just cut the cord on him, and now she's stuck in a marriage angle that it seems like they were uh, there's in the process of starting to break up anyway. So where do you go with her? Are they just going to pay her to make TikTok videos in her bikini? Yes. I mean, <laughs> if not, then I am. <laughs> like you said, I still got a job. Well, goddamn, pal. But that's... Uh, I just... I found that... that though those two were, were especially... I mean, do you think that angle was going to ever get back to them? Because I didn't really see that being the case. I don't think it matters that much. I didn't see it getting back to them. And that's always the problem when you put yourself into that situation is what do you eventually do? Like, there's no way they were going to put Lashley with Lana and then just be like, oh, you guys, this is going to be it for now. For, for right. now. Uh, but the problem with Rusev, and I kind of like the fact that he's going to get the chance to kind of rebrand himself is he came in, he was the Russian and did all that stuff. Well, he was the Bulgarian brute. Then he became a Soviet guy. Then 
He left the Soviet, went back to Bulgaria. But in that whole time of his run, he was with Lana to them, to her cheating on him with Dolph Ziggler, to them getting married, to them splitting up, to then Rusev Day, and then them back together. And like they've split them up so many times and gotten them back together in five years. Like, come on. So, so at this point, fuck. Just let him go away and figure out his shit. Yeah. Like and that that that's I really a- liked Rusev, so I would like to see him go somewhere and get and get a good deal because I, I feel like of everybody we've talked we've talked about so far, I would say him and EC three are like the two biggest guys like I think could go other places and be main event. Right, and the thing about uh, a guy like EC three is EC three is super charismatic, so EC three he can literally just go anywhere and and be a star. Rusev. He can be entertaining. We saw with the whole Rusev Day thing, but Rusev more than EC3, Rusev can be a monster. He's a pretty big yeah. dude, and when he's in it, he can. He's bulk athletic up. as hell, though. right? So AEW right now specifically said. I mean, obviously they're not, they can't do much right now. But the thing that they're looking for over anything else is they're looking for big athletic guys, and if you bring him in, he could be a very viable, believable heel. Mm-hmm. monster for yeah. your company so he doesn't have to or be a russian if, uh, like, things don't work out with jake the snake and the the murder hawk or whatever the hell his name is uh lance archer lance archer yeah oh. I, I i think i like rusev better than uh, lance archer but that's just i'm, a, I'm a lance archer fan Lan- you just gotta- I, he's not he's not bad but you know I think he's gonna. I think once I don't they want to talk about AEW this week, we'll go too long. Yeah, yeah. no. I, the, w- <laughs> stay tuned for Monday morning for yeah. that. We'll talk about that on um, on the actual episode of Power Bombs and Potables. A couple names left on this list: Eric Rowan, of you know former Wyatt, Wyatt family fame and Giant Mechanical Spider fame <laughs> and Bludgeon Brother fame. They just finally let Luke Harper go. And he's already on AEW. He's already on AEW. Yep. Uh, and now you let uh, Rowan go. Now, I was never really a fan of Rowan. Harper was always the one that I knew from the two was was the one. And Rowan always was getting hurt, and he never had great matches. So, in my opinion, this was a good cut for him. Because at this point, you know, he'll be able to go other places, maybe even get better, uh, use him for one-offs. But... He's definitely an ex- at this point an expendable person. I really thought that they always should have put Eric Rowan in the Kane outfit and just use him for spots because he's got he looks very similar. <laughs> Do you remember a couple years back when they did the spot with Kane and they had like Kane versus Kane? No. Yeah, they did a spot where was the, it Eric Rowan? No, it was freaking Gallows. Oh shit, Gallows was the fake Kane. <laughs> oh my god! And it just because we were talking about him, it just they did a but when Kane had no mask on and he was doing the thing, they brought back the original look Kane with the mask and, and everything. It was Gallows. It was Gallows. That's amazing. Oh, they they that's ended incredible. up doing a Kane versus Kane match at a pay per view and it Jesus built up to Christ. that. Yeah, it was the fucking shits. Yeah, that sounds about right. A <laughs> uh, couple names left: the Colognes, who somehow still had a job. Like I was convinced that these guys got let go of their job years ago. Yeah. Somehow they were we, still collecting um, a paycheck. We just fixed the glitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they finally got released. Good riddance. Now, Mike and Maria Canellis. Now why did they even come back? Yeah. Well, 
Here's the interesting thing about them. So in the time that they've been there, WWE paid for Mike Kanellis to get completely clean. Uh, Maria has had two kids. Apparently, Maria tweeted out that they, WWE basically gave them a, a, they paid them up front and they were working to pay it back. It was more of a debit as opposed to them getting paid. Mm. With this release, they wiped it clean. Oh, yeah. I mean, that. Nice. What are you going to do? <laughs> right. So it's just like, okay. That, that's what they even put out on social media. Like, well, I have a baby to take care of, but like, I don't really have any complaints. I don't have anything bad to say. Like, they took care of us and they, they did all this stuff. But Mike Kanellis was a guy who, uh, for Ring of Honor, you don't, you're not going to know him, uh, Steve, but he was with Ring of Honor. He was in, in one of their main factions and he left. And put a stock in himself, and he went to TNA. And I didn't like what they did with him in TNA. He was a main eventer his whole run there, but the character almost seemed I, I could never. It didn't connect, and I feel there wasn't nothing any. There was nothing relatable about his character, and that was the only time I think in my life that I've actually hated Maria Kanellis too. Like it wasn't like a. Uh, she's she's a heel hater. Like it was just like go away. Like she was. It was just the, the whole that whole package there was was not good. I would like to really see them go back to Ring of Honor, or for them to bring them into AEW when the time is right. Because since they came to WWE, they have never been used at all, barely. And when they got used, they they got used to push squash matches. It was horrible for people, especially a guy like Mike Kanellis, who's in his mid thirties, who like these are like some of his main years. He's just sat doing this. So the the positive in all of this is they have a, a family, they got paid, and he got clean. That's that's big. Mm. And she did Playboy once. She did do Playboy did. once. That was before um I think Saving Facts. Show. Yeah. Hey. Uh next up, Broski, Zach Ryder, Matt Cardona. This is the one that fucking pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah. He's been there since he was con- he was there six? 14 years under contract. Yeah. And like he has he has jobbed, he's always there. He's been in a bunch of shit storylines. He's done everything you could ask. He's him, had man. decent runs. He has had several times where he was definitely over. Mm-hmm. When we okay, like you talk about the Matt Hardy cinematic mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Like Zack Ryder was like the first one of the first people that I recognize yeah, going, to YouTube, media going to yeah. YouTube yep. and and getting over at, yeah. on Z, his own. Z True Long Island story. Yeah. Like he had over a hundred episodes of that. Like, which yeah. is crazy. I once they're, submitted a Burski of the Week video. They're not going to give you gotta me You got to get that footage. They're <laughs> not going to give me a platform. I'm going to create a platform. Like we were I was talking to you today about uh, Xavier Woods about about everything he does with up up down down. Like go get go use the leverage you have as a, as a, even a somewhat household name, depending on your level, and leverage that into something that you can continue to do. Like Zach Ryder is one of the first guys that I recognized doing that, and literally got himself over without appearing on TV. You you break down his 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 entire run, and you know he did him and uh, Hawkins were in Deep South as a team. They were wrestled in uh, NYWC as a team, and when they brought them up they they pitched the angle to be the edgeheads to be the 
And it's funny because they forgot about that. Yeah, they're they're both big wrestling figure guys. So we're talking about Xavier Woods with his thing and up, up, down, down. They have their own thing. Zach Ryder, I don't know if you know this about him. He is a wrestling figure collector. Oh, his yeah. host, Kurt I know they have yeah. a podcast. He has over like a million dollars worth of figures. Yep. Like he has an insurance policy just for his figures <clears throat> because that's how much he has. Oh, he got that many. Got um, Hopefully, he has some for his hair too. Yeah. So that that's that's his platform, and he's. He's doing that, and that's that's good for them in this situation. But and his uh, fiance is in NXT, Chelsea Green. Yeah, so they, you know, they did the Edgeheads thing, and then at the end, it was it was ECW. They pitched him doing this whole Broski thing. The he had he had um, one full length tight, and the other one was short. And it's still <laughs> one thing that people talk about, but it was something. And he went out there and and got that over. He then did the Z True Long Island story, which. The ultimate end of that was it got over so much that the crowd demanded it so much that they actually had no other choice but to put him on TV. And he got put an IC in, title run. Yeah. He got, uh, he got the U.S. title. Yeah. He beat Ziggler. And then... Uh, but the didn't mo- he lose it like the next week on Raw or something? No, he held it for a couple weeks. And then basically what they did was they didn't know what to do with him. Again, it was once they got... The fans, what they wanted, they didn't know what to do with him. So naturally, they had Kane push him off of the step. That was the whole thing with Eve, right? Where he was in like a wheelchair and Eve was like taking care of him and stuff. Yeah. And then, but I think, no, that was a completely different thing. Oh, was it? Yeah. That also involved Kane, didn't it? No, that involved John Cena. Uh, She cheated on the John Cena, or he uh, thought she, yeah. See, this is the brilliant stuff they do. But everything he did, he got over. But, you know, WWE wants. He had Z True Long on the store. got over 100 episodes. They wanted the rights to all of this stuff so they could edit it and have it as their own. And this way they could really control the narrative at that point. And that's when he started going away again for a long time. And then... He didn't give it to them, right? No, he did. Oh, God. Oh, I thought he didn't. No, he did. It went, it went to them. And then that's when he plummeted again. Yeah. And then he started doing another comeback. And then it kind of went away. Then his big break was he was doing the Hype Brothers. Yeah. They, they put him down. With he was Mojo. He was literally doing SmackDown and NXT, and he's like, whatever, fuck it. There was an injury, I forget, or somebody got suspended before Money in the Bank as the buildup to WrestleMania 32. They put him in it. He won the Intercontinental title. That's the one I was thinking okay. of. Okay. And I was there in Dallas, <clears throat> and that place fucking exploded for him because everybody no matter what he's one of those people that they get they get the blurred lines of the fact that this guy is yeah his his job is to lose but like they see how much heart he's got and when they give him the opportunity he never fails yeah dude Zack Ryder for me is just one of the most the biggest disappointments that WWE's ever had as far as their execution of utilizing this guy when you got people like my now wife who when I was watching him, she's like, who is this guy? And like, she was watching the videos. Like you like, you know, things like ratings and merchandise sales. Like that's really important. Like you want that person who was, you know, either a casual fan becomes more interested or someone has no background or interest in wrestling. And all it takes is one really good gimmick or one guy to suck people in. Like that's, that's how you do it, man. And especially and, cause like 
this is something we talk about a lot when we talk about wrestling is like, you know, the, the importance of winning and losing a lot of the time, because, you know, a lot of times like a loss can, can really bury somebody. And this matters more when you're at the top of things, but when you're trying to put weighted interest in those lower matches, like, you know, when you have a a gimmick or, or something outside of this that can get people interested in you, that can get people vested, then even if you're losing, like you can you can still exist and it works both ways where you can go out there and lose but then it's not hurting you because you have this yeah. other thing keeping you afloat you need people like that because everybody can't win yeah there's just so many things like and i think was it the us title like his dad was even there like his dad was kind of part of the storyline or something or maybe his dad was just in the videos like kind of but uh, uh, Corey would have to recall that one. Yeah, I was trying to make sure we were still on Zach <laughs> Zach Ryder's dad. Yeah, so yeah, Zach Ryder's like dad the was big O. Like there was like he almost. Oh, I remember the big yeah, O. Holy him? shit, Dude. Yeah, um, he was just a guy that the that Ryder found in the gym in Long Island, and just like they would, he would literally. The promos that he cut as the big O was the way that he was in real life. And Ryder was yeah. just like, this guy's he he never he didn't do anything with wrestling. He was just a meathead at the gym. Yeah. And Ryder brought him onto the show because he saw money with this guy, made him a star essentially, because then he became a wrestler. He's still wrestling now on the indies as the big Ryder O. Isn't. Right. Well, Zack Ryder, I guarantee you, if anything, Zack Ryder will go to AEW. Out of anybody that got released. Cody Rhodes did an entire post about Zack Ryder and how proud he is of him and the things that he accomplished. Yeah. Because every time they like, you know, didn't see anything in him and they gave him an opportunity, he would always, you know, take the most advantage of, of that opportunity. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite upset about, about that one, but I think he's going to finally get, I, his dream was to be in the WWE. He got to live that dream for 14 years. I think now, given the chance, I never personally liked the Zack Ryder gimmick. The Zack Ryder gimmick came along when Jersey Shore just started, so it made sense. He's from New York, and he did that thing, but 2020, it just it wasn't really resonating. Yeah. So you give him a chance to go just be, you know, he might be, I th- think his name before that was like Brett Majors, because he was a major brother, him and, uh, him and Brian Myers. But I, I think he, he, if he, he just goes out and is Matt Cardona, his real shoot name yeah. he'll he'll be fine yeah i just hope he doesn't have to sell any of his action figures to you know keep himself afloat so i think hopefully. he'll be okay yeah. i think he'll be okay too um like we said his fiance still works for the company so right and i mean he's been there for 14 years you know so i i, I think he'll be okay but i think he's gonna he's got be- the podcast gig we all we we all know how much money a podcast brings in yeah uh we said one of Rusa, uh, Diana Perrazzo, who is was just starting to get her feet wet. She has been on the Indies for years. She's a Jersey girl. Was with Ring of Honor for years. They she find- was just on TV like a week or two ago, right? Yeah, she was on Raw last Monday night. Yeah, I was gonna say I remember seeing her. So I, I think that she will. She wrestled Oscar. Yes. Wait. Nia Jax. Nia Jax. It was the Nia Jax squash match, which I went into a whole rant about how I didn't like that they did that. But I guess at this point it doesn't matter because she'll be gone for a while. But she's still young enough that they might bring her in. But she might also go back to Ring of Honor. She's dating the booker there. Mm. Marty Skrull. <laughs> so, uh, And then the, the last couple of people, Alexander Jasek, I don't know who that is. They, they, there's a lot of people because WWE's branched out. Uh, I know that the 
the the, the Chinese wrestler they signed to uh, NXT, they let go of today. Uh, they let go of Tino Sabatelli today. Uh, that that girl we were talking about, take take Conti. Oh yeah, yeah. They let her go today. God bless her. Right, uh, but 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 besides that, they just you know let go of a couple of their announcers. Uh, and the only creative staff writer that they announced that let go, her biggest claim to fame was she did. She was the one who wrote the Mandy Dolph Otis storyline that's been playing out right now. That was her creative. Oh, well, she can leave then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Well-sealy. laughs> So that, that's that. The only the one that the last time I was on the pod, I talked about all the plot holes they never filled. <laughs> yeah. So okay, the last thing that I wanted to talk about. So now that we've announced, we've gone over all these stuff and we discussed them. That morning, Vince called all the employees. I guess it was a giant conference call. And the transcript of this came out. Basically, it was really short. And he goes. Are you going to do an impression? <clears throat> no, 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 because that's, <laughs> that's serious, Vince. All right, fine. Yeah. Uh, but it says, thank you all for, for joining me today. First and foremost, I hope that you and your families are safe. What we're going through today is unprecedented, and there's no doubt these are challenging times for everyone. Given the adverse effects of the coronavirus and the resulting financial recession, WWE, like so many companies, have to decrease operating expenses. And then he ended the call by stating, uh, these are not easy decisions, but reflect the reality of the environment we're working in today. We live in a world of troubled times. I'm confident as a company, and most importantly, confident in you as individual employees will pull through these times uh, through these tough times and come back to work and make life better than it's ever been. Thank you. And, and also a lot of this wouldn't have had to happen if I didn't try to do the XFL again, which is another Ooh. whole freaking thing, which I mean. had, did you, did you see that? And we're another rabbit hole. We're going down, but part of, they got the giant, deal to do the Saudi Arabia Arabia shows and their stocks went crazy and then all of a sudden the XFL gets announced and they started going down and they're like (laughs) no we assure you that this is all Vince's own money he's not the WWE has no ownership in this like the last time yep and so it was fine everything leveled off and then they filed for bankruptcy so he doesn't have to pay anyone back and then it turns out that WWE owned like 23 Three yep. percent of the XFL. There was no chance yeah. that wasn't the case. No there chance was in never hell. A chance. No chance in hell that that was actually true. I knew it the whole time. I'm sure everyone else did. There, of course, this fucking happened. It's unbelievable. So it's just stay like, in your lane, Vince. So it's like in in a week's time span, he failed on a concept twice. He was he failed on see the first time for what it's worth. And I think you can agree with this. The first time, and this was everyone's argument, even on that ESPN 30 for 30, the XFL fucking sucked in the, <laughs> that first run years yeah, the ago. The product was garbage. Yeah. And this time, they had a good idea. They had a good vision for it. And people were watching it. They were doing good ratings on TV for what it was. But they had their, their legs cut out from under them with, with all this happening. You know, shit happens. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it still tailed off. It it, it looked good at the beginning. They were only what four weeks in, five weeks in, something like that. I think it was more than that. But so, I, but who knows what would have actually happened had they gotten through the whole season to see where things would have ended? Uh, I could definitely tell you, I saw way more positives from people. Just 
scrolling through Facebook, people being like, oh, well, XFL's on. Let's see what this is all about. And like, Relative to like what it rules. was before, yes. It was yeah. significantly better. The product still wasn't great, but the rule changes were positive. And I mean, the biggest part of it was the fact that now sports gambling is legal yep. in many places. Gambling. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what helped make anyone kind of give a shit about it. Right. Um, but like... And it's in... An, you, well, I mean, like th- This just proves the fact that, like, okay, yes... People still want to watch this stuff, and the gambling part helps, and the product was better. But you, there are year-round operating costs to things like this that are, right. are tremendously significant. That just putting an okay product out there doesn't even mean that you break even. Right. I mean, there was no way that they were going to turn a profit in the first season. They would have at oh, least the first few seasons. Right. Yeah. So, right. But, but again, it. He would have needed to make it through said seasons to actually start to have the the uptrend, and he didn't even get there. So they just pulled the plug when they had to. So I mean, they were they were going to get hurt too by the fact that the NFL is now going to play another game and expand their playoffs, which means they're going to expand their rosters, which means the top end talent of that. I mean, there's already reports yeah. of some of the better players of that league getting like at practice squad yeah, deals and, and non-guaranteed yep. contracts to NFL teams. So that was going to happen regardless. So the so idea in the end, good for them, right? Good for them. The idea that this was going to be able to go other years is still pretty doubtful considering that yeah. the NFL would have adapted and would have continued sucking the top tier talent, which again is still guys that are going to struggle to make an NFL roster. And you think about like, you can even, Look at like the NBA. They have the G League. Like that's profitable. It's a good product. Like they have something in place. The NFL, which is you know, making the most money of the four sports top four uh, top four sports league in the U.S. Like the fact that they don't have a minor league system or not, that, that tells you a lot. Like if the NFL with all of their financial backing, they can't figure it out. Like well, they don't have to figure it out <clears throat> because people need all four years. This is a whole thing we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> people need all people need all four down. years of college to go to football because football is so physical and you need to be big. Whereas the NBA, you don't. The NBA, you can theoretically hang in there at 18, 19 years old. Yeah, and plus the NBA, your roster is. What, 15 people and then the NFL it's 53 about to you know it, it's 90 at the beginning of training camp to 75 to 53 and that's going to expand now so it's it's two different yeah. conversations but but do you think Vince brings back uh, uh was it the bodybuilding federation the or? WBF no because <laughs> what happened was is he brought that, that has to have much lower uh, operating costs so. well I mean he he's, he's a big bodybuilding guy he brought that in and yeah. it amidst when that was in its first year was when the whole steroid scandal broke out. Obviously, yeah. so that's why he he didn't want to be under that microscope any further. So that's why that will never <laughs> see the light of day again. So Sheesh. we good here? Yeah, we're good. I think all so. right. So uh, we're again, all still employed. So we're, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, obviously, every single Monday we drop a new episode of podcast uh, Power Bombs and Potables on the Podcast Potables Network, uh, so that you can get a full recap of what happened or what I liked and didn't like from last week's wrestling. Just in time so you can watch a whole nother week's worth of wrestling. Uh, or I watch it to tell you what you should and maybe shouldn't watch. Make, make cut you down from maybe 10 hours a week of viewing to like 45 minutes. So there like you go. Uh, Friday night. So we have some stuff to do. Thanks for watching us. And uh, for Dan, for Steve, two sweet me hoots. I'm Corey. Talk to you on Monday. <laughs>